welcome. Welcome to Father's Day. Um, this is an honor, obviously, first and foremost, just to be given the opportunity to do this. Um, I love speaking. I love um, sharing my heart with you guys. But it's Father's Day. Um, and I think one of the things that I love the most is talking about, Justin asked me which one I wanted to do. I said, no, no, no. I love to do this one. This is one I love to talk about. Love to talk about having a great relationship with God our Father. And so that's what the topic is today. Um, we have a lot of fathers. Um, we have a lot of people, like Carly said, who have spoken life in, into our lives. Um, people that are our fathers and people that are just like father figures. And I'm a creature or I'm a person that has grown with a lot of strong men that have spoken life into me. You'll hear a few of those today. Um, but that is me. And so let's get to it. Um, Justin has done a magnificent job of showing us what friendships, relationships, family things look like. And many of the things that he's talked about for three weeks, if you guys were here, you've learned all the basics of great relationships. And I would say that 99% of those things he's talked about find their way right into what I'm going to talk about today. So I'm not going to go overly and abound and say all the things that he's already said. But the things that we've seen is that great relationships, great marriages, great friendships, all those things, they take effort and intentionality. They don't happen on themselves. They don't happen just willy-nilly. You don't just wake up one morning and say, man, I've got a great marriage. I didn't even have to work for it. It's not real life, friends. And it takes time. The most, the most valuable thing that we have on this earth is our time. And if we choose to spend that time with the Father, with our wives, with our kids, with our friends, whatever time you put into something is how valuable you make it. And so it takes your time. And one thing that I love last week, and, and Justin has said it in different ways, but I love the fighting aspect. There are many times in our lives when the things that you want the most, you have to fight for. It's not going to come easy. The, the enemy is going to throw everything he can at you. He's going to distract you with a thousand different things. Sometimes good things, by the way. Sometimes things that are good and valuable, but he, he'll distract you and make you make those things first and foremost. But the things that you want the most, the things that are your top priority, you need to fight for them. And it's not going to be easy. And the one thing that I know for sure, the thing that obviously is true, whether Justin said it in his words or not, what we've learned these last three weeks is that you cannot, it is impossible to have a valuable relationship with the Father. It is impossible to have a relationship. Let me start over. I saw the slide happen and I got distracted. That's my fault. It's not on you. It's not on the PowerPoint. That's me. That's my fault. But anyway, the most important thing is that when you fight for it, what you fight for is worth it. You, fighting for your marriage, worth it. Fighting for a relationship with your father, it's worth it. It makes everything make sense. But the one thing that I know for sure is that going after those great things, the marriages and the friendships and the relationships is central to having a great relationship with God is central to having relationships elsewhere. That's the reality of the situation. It is impossible, and my wife will tell you, she's sitting on the front row right there with our baby, she will tell you, Angie will tell you, it is impossible. We struggle with our, uh, uh, let me start over. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> um, 
The struggles that we do have are when the old man creeps up a little bit and I forget who I am and forget how blessed I am to have her. I'll say it that way. How about that? Um, I don't believe that we have a lot of struggles, but she would tell you that we do have some struggles um, that I maybe don't know about. Um, (laughs) But it's fine. Anyway, so the reality is I am so happy that when my wife met me, I was already on the path of centralizing my life around the Lord. And there's no mystery or no coincidence that that was the case, because that's obviously what needed to happen. But I could not be more happy that she didn't meet the old man. Some of you that have played softball with me these past couple months have met pieces of that person. And I'm not completely happy about that, although that's some of it's fun, but some of it's not. Um, But... It's, it's a process, which we'll learn about. It's a process. But anyway, so the reality is we have to keep him central in order to have a productive and, and prosperous marriage and relationships. It has to be central to, to our relationship with God. So let's always keep that focus. Let's always keep him at the forefront. And all those great relationships start, start with your relationship with God. And how is that possible? Man, what? The same things apply to your relationship with everyone else. They apply to God. You have to put in the effort. You have to put in that intentionality. You have to invest time. And you have to fight for it. Like I said, there's going to be a thousand distractions. But if we focus on him amidst all the other things, all the chaos in this world that we live in, and let's be honest, our world is going quickly down a path, and it's away from the Lord. And so the world is going to take you away, and it's going to take fighting. It's going to take effort. It's going to take intentionality to focus on the Lord in the midst of the chaos that our world is in right now. That's just truth. I think about growing up. One of the things that I know about my relationship with God is growing up, my relationship with God was very, what I like to call, it was a conduit relationship. If you're not familiar with the term of conduit relationship. It means, to me, it was my relationship with God was as good as my relationship with, at this point in my life, it was my grandfather. So my grandfather was my preacher, my pastor. He was the person in my life that I looked up to the most. So my relationship with God was the same as my relationship with my grandfather. Like I knew the things about the word from him. I knew right and wrong from him because he passed it down through mom and, and my dad, obviously, but like there was just a conduit type of relationship. And my relationship with God was only as good as my relationship with him. And for the record, I think that I couldn't have had a better conduit. But the reality is the Lord does not want me to have a great relationship with him through my grandfather. He wants to have a relationship with me. And I think the reality is, you know, I learned some great things from my grandfather. I learned some great things. He showed me Jesus. Um, I would tell you, and, and I, I will tell you as black and white as I am, I never heard about, I never saw my grandfather. I knew him for quite, quite a couple years, lived right next to him for 30 years. I never saw him or I never saw him be mean to anyone. I never heard him yell at anyone. He got stern with me one time, one, one time. I remember, and obviously I can't forget it, it was the one time, Um, but he showed me Jesus, and he always loved me, and he never judged me, he never said anything, but the cool thing about him was, and something I know now that I didn't know as much then, 
like our father, I didn't do a lot of things. I didn't have any tattoos. I didn't have anything that I thought that my grandfather would not approve of. And looking back now, I know that although he may not have been a big fan of tattoos in general, and I just used that as an example, he loved me no matter what. There was nothing that was going to stand in the way of our relationship, although there may have been decisions that I made that he would not have agreed with, right? And just like the father, we may make mistakes along the way, and we may do some things that don't make him happy, but that doesn't change anything about our relationship or his wanting to have a great relationship with us. And so even though those things are all true about, about God and, and, and my grandfather, I knew that there was a stage in my life, even though I wished that osmosis was a thing and my, my Christianity could just come straight forward and just rub off of my grandfather onto me, and then all of a sudden I would just be everything that he was and is and could just go to heaven on his coattails. And the reality is, part of that's actually true. Obviously, I'm walking in a few things that he walked in in his life, and I believe that I'm the man that I am because of the example that he set. Um, but the reality also is that my grandfather never would have chosen a relationship with himself instead of, oh, no, no, just draw them into me, and then, no. He wanted and he prayed for us every night that we would find that relationship with the father. And so as I got older, you know, people started asking me questions like, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And I would always just say, well, you know, my grandfather, he always told me this. Well, my grandfather always taught this. Well, what do you think? Well, I don't know. That's what he says, right? And so that's what a conduit relationship kind of looks like. We just, we are as good as our relationship with our pastor, or we're just as good as our pastor feels about us, or whatever that might look like, Sunday school teachers, fathers, grandfathers, whatever that is. We're as good as that relationship. But at some point, at some point, I know it happened for me, and I hope it, it happens this way for you as well at some point in your lives or in the future. At some point, you have to make that thing your own. At some point, you have to say, you know what? This is what I may have been taught my whole life, but this is exactly what I feel, and this is why I think about it, and it's time for me to dig into his word and think about these things on my own, right? It's fine enough. I mean, I think Justin's amazing, and we can just believe everything he says, and hold that back one second, but you know what I mean? We can take those things because we know that he you know, has blessed, you know, obviously. We'll leave that, but the point is, there are things in our lives that we have to know and hold on to for ourselves, right? Because I know for me, there are times in my life when people have come to me and said, no, you shouldn't be doing this, or you shouldn't have this, or you shouldn't be this way. And I can look at them in the face and say, no, 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 I know this thing to be true. I know that the Lord has spoken these things into my life, and these are things that I hold firm to. I had to give up relationships in my life because I knew that the Lord was calling me to this. And if I didn't know that, I would have just gone along with everything else. I'd have been like, all right, well, I mean, that's what all the fun people, that's what we're doing. But no, the Lord was calling me to something. And when you know that to be true, when he speaks those things into your life, you know them and you hold firmly to them. You say, no, it doesn't have any parts in that. And so the whole point of this thing is to dig into his word, get into knowing him, get to know him. His word is the best way that you get to know 
him, what he's like, what he's like. You need to know what he's like and what he's about. The, the Old Testament speaks to what the New Testament is. It completes it. The whole thing is about Jesus and knowing him. If you can't find Jesus in the Old Testament, keep reading. He's in there. It's all a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the future. It's all about Jesus. Read the whole Bible with Jesus and your filtration. You will see it in a new light. And that's what the Lord has done for me. And that's how you get to know him. That's how you hear his voice. That's how you know about the things that he wants to do. You get to know him. You seek him. You find him. You draw near to him. And all of a sudden, you start hearing the things that he wants to say. You start knowing the things that he wants you to know. You want to have a great relationship with God? You have to know him, and you have to fight for it. I'm going to show you a few things that I've found in, in Scripture and things that tell us what this father is like. So in the beginning, God creates man, and there's a perfect scenario in the garden. God would walk and talk with them in the cool of the day. That is perfection. This was before sin. That is his plan A. What you need to know today is that when Adam and Eve sinned, God never changed that plan. His plan since the beginning has been walk and talk with my children the best way that I can. Hebrews 13.8 says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. James 1.17, we'll learn more about it in the next couple weeks. Every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. He has not changed, and his plans haven't changed. The way that he created us and the ways that he wanted that relationship with us like he did in the garden has not changed. That same thing he wants with us today has not changed. The look of it has changed. You know what I mean? We fell and things looked a little different, but his heart never has changed, and this is what he wants for us. I hear it all the time. Well, why did God create man if he knew that they would fall, if he knew that they were going to fall into sin? I'm going to say something. Take it with as many grains of salt as you want. It is my, it is my opinion and my impression that it was never God's plan for perfection. Although he is perfect, it could not create anything that was imperfect. He created perfection. But his plan was always relationship. Because he knew in the day zero, before zero, he knew already that things were going to go down. And before the creation, the Bible says, God and Jesus decided to die for us. He knew since day zero that he was going to have to die, and that was worth it to him. So if that's true and he knows everything, he knew that he was going to create something perfect, and he knew that they were going to fall, and therefore, he still created it. Why? Because all he wanted was a relationship. That's all he wanted. He doesn't want us to be perfect, although that's something that we can strive for. All he wants is to have a relationship with us, and that has never changed. And what that looks like might change sometimes. It's changed in my life many, many different ways. But the goal for him has always been, always been relationship. Romans 2.4, and this talks back to our story, says that it's God's kindness 
It's his love. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Because in the garden, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, what did God say? Did he say, how could you? I, I was better. You should have never done this. Haven't I done all this stuff for you? How could you? No. Did he give them the silent treatment? Like, all right, well, I used to walk and talk with you. I'm not going to come down there. Nope, not that either. He said, where are you? He says, where are you? There's no anger in there. And that's what you guys need to hear today. He's not angry with you. He can be grieved. He can be sad that you don't have the relationship that he wishes. Let's hear that. He wants that relationship with you more than you want it with him. Know that to be true, number one. He's not angry with you. You, you hold, sometimes, you know, we hold that shame and we hold that guilt on ourselves. It doesn't come from him. There's no condemnation that comes from him. He's not angry with you. But he says, he says to them, where are you? Because the whole point is, okay, obviously I know what just happened. We already know the deal. All right, let's figure it out. What are we going to do? How do we go from here? How do we keep our relationship intact? What do we have to do to get to where we're going? It's always been about relationship. It's not about how could you. It's about where are you? Now let's talk about it. Let's make a plan. And let's fast forward a little bit to Peter. I love Peter. I think me and him are very similar. We're on highs of highs and lows and lows. I'm not bipolar, um, but that's just I feel that I'm going to be all for it or all about it. And I might fall sometimes, but I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth sometimes, but I'm going to be going all for it all the time. So that's me and Peter. Um, that if you don't know me, that's what I'm a lot. Um, but in Luke 5, we see that Peter meets Jesus for the first time. Jesus comes up to Peter, um, gets in his boat, and says, hey, I'm going to teach a little bit. So he gets in the boat. They go out a little bit offshore. And then he tells Peter, he says, hey, let's go out. We're going we're gonna to get a catch. Peter laughs a little bit, you know what I mean? Because he's a professional. He's been doing this a minute. And um, he's been toiling all night, and they've caught nothing. And Jesus goes, hey, yeah, but... Just go out a little bit, and we're going to get a catch. He says, all right, cool, bro. We're going to do this thing. We'll see. But anyway, if you say so, we'll go. So he obviously, they put the nets down because it's Jesus. Catch of a lifetime. Catch of a lifetime. More fish than they can carry. They call over James and John and say, come help us. And together in their boats, they carry all these fish to shore. And in that moment, Peter drops down. And says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Why? Because it's his kindness that leads to repentance. It's his kindness. Jesus did, could have come in and said, you guys are just dirty fishermen. You need to do this and this and this. And we've seen that our whole lives. That's not Jesus. Jesus comes in and speaks to him in his language. A fisherman likes fish. And he catches fish and he knows that it's a miracle that they've been fishing all night and now all of a sudden they have the catch of a lifetime. So it's his kindness that leads to repentance. And by the way, repentance is not the same as remorse. Remorse is the, 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 the sorry that you got caught type of thing. Repentance is you're sorry enough to change. And what the point of that is, is that his repentance Looked like, hey, 
I'm not going to be a fisherman anymore. God calls him and says, hey, we're going to go do this thing. All right, I'm, at, I'm in. Let's go. So his repentance was turn from his old ways and walk in newness of life with Jesus and walked and talked with him for three years. That was the mission. He stuck with Jesus. He wasn't a fisherman anymore. So he changed his whole ways. He changed his whole men, and it all happened in a moment when Jesus gave him fish, and they left all of that catch of a lifetime right there on the shore, and he says, follow me, and they go, all of them. Right there in that moment, they're gone. I don't know who got them fish. Somebody got a catch of a lifetime, but it wasn't them because they had the thing that they wanted more than fish. We're going to be tempted in our lives with things. But what do we want those things? Do we want the fish? Do we want the catch of a lifetime? Or do we want Jesus and following him more? And that's a question that we will deal with every day of our lives. Do we want this thing? We want, um, you know, whatever that is. It's going to steal you away from wanting him the most. So let's fast forward. This is still Peter. Fast forward another three years. This is the end of his ministry with Jesus. Peter has just denied Jesus three times. Jesus is crucified. Three days later, he's raised back from the dead. And in John 21, it talks about Peter is obviously down. He's down on himself. He's feeling very condemned, very convicted. He knows now that Jesus is alive. Jesus has showed up. And I think you need to hear this. Jesus has showed up, and he knows that he's alive. But Peter is still feeling very down on himself. Because Peter needs some sort of resolution. Peter needs some sort of, I think in our lives, we understand what this looks like. Well, we, we need to fix this. We need to make it right. We need to pretty ourselves up. Whatever that is, we need to you know, get that relationship back. And he has not had that yet. So my point is, he's not right yet. And he tells his buddies, he said, hey. In John 21, it says, hey, I'm going to go fishing. He's going to go back to the thing that he was comfortable. And how often do we do that? In the midst of our trials, in the midst of the storms, we go back to the things that made us comfortable in those moments and the things that always made us feel whatever. In about two or three months, you're going to see me back up here. And that's what I'm going to talk about a lot is what do we do in those moments? Do we chase right back after him or do we, or do we keep our focus on the things that have been comfortable our whole lives? What are we, we going to focus on? But in that moment, Peter goes back to fishing because that's his thing. He goes back to the thing that's comfortable. And they go fishing. And it's just like a repeat of the first one. They go out fishing all night and they catch nothing. In the morning, Jesus appears on the shore and they don't know it's him. He says, do you have any fish? Nope. Cast your nets on the right side and you will find some. And I guarantee you they rolled their eyes the same way this time as they did the last time. But they do it. And again, they catch too many fish for their boats. And immediately, immediately, Peter in true Peter form jumps out of the boat. Says, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it is. He was naked. He just throws on a thing and jumps into the, into the boat. Leaves his buddies to bring the fish in. Just jumps out of the boat and goes gets Jesus. 
Why? Because the most important thing to Peter was having a resolution, having a reconciliation of that friendship, that relationship. There's nothing that Peter wanted more than to know that Jesus was okay with him. And Peter was willing to do anything to get that thing back. Peter is waiting. He's waiting, and you can see it. He's waiting to see what he must do to earn back Jesus' love and acceptance. Because that's what we do. We just want to see what we have to do to get back. And Jesus doesn't say anything other than, do you love me? Will you follow me? And we see this time, this time, and obviously the Holy Spirit involved as well. At Pentecost, we talk about, he preaches and thousands come to him, come to the Lord in in the same day. And the next day this and the next day that. And then new boldness has taken over Peter. Because his kindness Jesus' kindness over and over again. He didn't say, hey, you need to work yourself back. He said, just follow me. And it's the same thing over and over again through scripture. It's the same thing with the prodigal son who obviously we know he goes off, turns his back on his father and says, hey, I want all my stuff. Give me my inheritance. I'm going to go. And his father obviously does it. But then he's in the pig pen, he wasted it all, it's all gone. He's in the pig pen and he comes up with this cool speech and it says, Dad, I know I'm not your son anymore. I don't deserve to be your son anymore. But maybe, just maybe, you can treat me like one of your servants. And how often is that our hearts? God, I know that I don't deserve a relationship with you after all that I've done, after all that we've been through. I know that I don't deserve this, but... Maybe, maybe I can have like this, you know, fifth tier relationship. Maybe like this kind where I just, I understand that. I've been there. There's a humility in that, which is probably good. But uh, there's a different sort that's not as good where we think that we don't deserve anything or deserve anything. I've, I was in that same place at one point. I was in that same place. But we also know that when that son comes home, He has his speech planned, but when he comes home, he's a long way off, a long way off. His father's looking for him, by the way. You can't see him if he's a long way off, if he's not waiting for his son that has just turned his back, took all of his stuff, and went. His father's waiting for him to come home, and there was no reason for him to. He's waiting for you to come home. And he's not angry with you. But when he comes home, he says, Dad, I, I don't deserve to be your son. All right, let me stop you right there. Throws his robe on him. Throws his sandals on him. Takes his ring and tells him, Son, you're my son. And there's nothing that you can do about it. Let's celebrate. What was once lost has now been found. And maybe today, this morning, I know some of you might be saying, cool, what's that got to do with having a great, a great relationship with the Father? I hear you. But I think a lot of things, and you've obviously heard me say it through this whole time, is so oftentimes we, like Peter, like the younger son, feel like we need to clean ourselves up to work ourselves back 
and to his love and to his good graces and to his acceptance. God, I don't deserve to be your son. God, I don't deserve to be in a great relationship with you. I have some good news. Um, it's not about your deserving. It's not about that. He loves you whether or not that is true, and, and it's not about deserving. Adam didn't deserve God's kindness in the garden. We thought that, you know, the day you sin, the day you die, perfection would say, yep, done, I'll start over. But that wasn't what God said. He wants relationship. Peter didn't deserve Jesus' kindness after he denied him three times. Jesus could have said, all right, all right, I don't need you anymore, Peter. If that's what you're going to be like, fine. Nope. Peter didn't deserve Jesus' kindness. And the son didn't deserve everything that the father gave back to him. Son did everything wrong. Son turned his back on the father. Wish you were dead. Give me your stuff. I wish you were dead. He knew he didn't deserve anything, but he got it all back because that's his dad and that's his father. I think so oftentimes in our lives, we try so hard to attain and be what we already are and cannot stop being. So often we try so hard to attain and be what we already are and can't stop being, and that's his children. There's nothing that we can do to take that thing away. I say it the same way every time. My daughters are in the same picture as my wife. Um, there's nothing that they can do. No decisions that they can make that would make me love them any less. Nothing. And why is it that all of a sudden we know that about our kids, but somehow we lose that translation when it comes to God? I know I did that in my whole life. My relationship with my dad was somehow filtered into how I felt about my heavenly father. And obviously we know that these things are true and somehow we screw them up. But that's the reality. We are his children. There's nothing that we can do to change that. So do you want a great relationship with the heavenly father on Father's Day? Let's all do it together. It's not easy. Nothing worthwhile is, but it's very simple. Spend time with him. Talk to him, worship him, put him first. And you'll have to fight for it. There are a thousand distractions, and some of them are, are, are valuable ones. Obviously, you know, we can't make our marriage and our, our families a distraction. Like, that's not the thing. But we have to keep the thing central to our relationship with God. And the one thing that we need to understand is he is unchanging. He spoke face to face with Adam and Eve in the garden. He spoke to Moses like a man speaks to his friend. That's what the Bible says. And he wants to speak to you in the same way. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the comforter. He gave us that person, that being, wherever you want to look at that picture, that will speak to us and lead us and, and show us the Father and show us the things in Scripture that he wants to do. Show us his, who he is and let him know him better. But we have to remember that only one thing is important, and it's found in his presence. John 12, 28 says that Jesus' thing, Jesus' purpose was very simple. Lord, glorify your name. Glorify your name in my marriage. This is what we say. Lord, glorify your name in my marriage. Lord, glorify my name in all my relationships. Lord, glorify your name in my family. 
And that's what we did last week at this altar. Bring your family to the altar, we pray. Glorify your name in our family. Put our family central around the Lord. And that's what that looked like. And I was, ooh, that was good stuff, right? So remember, it's not about, it's not about perfection. It never was. It's all about progress. Your relationship is yours and it's unique. Don't compare or measure yourself against anyone else. Don't, don't say, well, I'm never going to be that good or I'm never going to do that or I'm never going to be that person. He's not calling you to be that person. He's calling you to be you. So be you and have your relationship. My favorite thing about my relationship, and, and, and this could be prideful and I, and I pray about it often and selfish maybe even a little bit, but my favorite thing about my relationship with the Lord is that I'm the only one that has that relationship. It's very unique. His call on my life, his expectations on me, his, his plan for me is different than you. So you live by a different set of relational standards that only you have. And, and his plan for you is different than his plan for me. So his relationship with you will therefore be unique and different than anyone else because he's calling you to different things. So don't compare. And please, please, oh, please, don't presume that your lack of perfection equals a lack of anointing slash power slash usefulness slash whatever. Don't say, well, if I get myself cleaned up good enough, then maybe I can volunteer in the kids' ministry. Oh, then maybe I can be this person, or maybe then I can do this. Now, if he's calling you to something, step out in faith, and it might take time. I knew he was calling me to youth ministry a long time ago, and it took a couple years for it to actually play out. But start walking in those things that he's calling you into, and don't clean yourself up first. Yes, you know. Clean yourself up a little bit along the way, but you know, don't feel like you need to do this and this and this before you get there, because all he wants is your heart. In the same way as the young son, I would venture to say, if, we, if I were, had another Sunday to talk about it, you'd hear me say this, but the, the older son was right there the whole time. It's not about proximity. The older son was there. He was doing the things, but I would venture to say that the young son in the middle of the pig pen was closer to the father because his focus was on the father. In that moment, when he turned back towards home, it says, his focus was on the father. And I would venture to say that the older son never really had his focus on the father. He had his focus on the father's things. That's what I would say. So it's all about your heart. All he wants is your heart. All he wants is your focus. All he wants is your yes. Will, he do, will you do what he's asking you to do today? One of my favorite verses in all of scripture, and then I'm done, is the stories and the parables about him giving you talents, right? And the end result is he who is faithful over a few things, he'll give you more. All he wants is your yes. All he wants is your obedience. He wants to call you in this, and then once you have this, maybe, just maybe, he'll give you something else and something else. But you got to walk in that first thing first. You got to walk before you run. You got to crawl before you walk. You got to go along the process. And then secondarily, someday, my prayer has always been this. Get to heaven and get the well done, the good and faithful servant. What else is there? I walked the path. I did everything you were calling me to do. Lord, I, I hope and pray in the same way that I tried to make my grandfather proud. 
I get to heaven and he says, man, you did it all. You did everything I called you to. You gave it all up. You we walked away from the things I called you to walk away from and you went into these things. Well done. I don't know what there else is. I mean, I, I'm, I hope that I'm a great dad. I hope that I'm a great husband. I think that I'm doing a decent job. But in real life, I just want to get to heaven and says, yep, you did everything I asked you to. So in conclusion, as the worship team comes up, I just want to give you an opportunity um, to come and receive the things that you want from the Lord. Today, if you feel like there's a wall or there's a, a separation between you and the Father that have, that have halted or, or stunted your relationship with God, I know what that feels like. I had a lot of unforgiveness. I had a lot of rejection. I had a lot of feelings that didn't allow me to have a relationship with the Father as I should have. So if there's a wall and something holding you back, please, please let someone come pray for you. If you feel like God could never love you and, and, and after everything you've been through, after everything you've done, after all the mistakes that you've made, I hear your heart. If you think that God could never love you, please, please let someone pray for you. Let someone pour God's love on you. You'll know it then. He loves you just as much today as he ever did and there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. If you don't have the relationship with God that you seek or a relationship at all, this is your first time thinking or, or praying about what this relationship looks like. If you've never heard about it, please, please come to the front. Let someone pray for you. Let someone welcome you into this family. Yes, this family. I love this family. But into the family in heaven one day. And if as I was speaking, there was a burning, there was a burning inside. And, and, I, and, and, and I know <laughs> sometimes I'm, I can be a little bit crazy and I think I kept my cool more today than most days. But if there was a burning inside, man, I, I want the, what this crazy bald guy's talking about. Come to the altar. You can get it. And perhaps the Holy Spirit Perhaps it's the Holy Spirit that's welling up inside and, and trying to impress this thing upon you. There's more. There's more. There's more if you want it. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for more of God. They will be filled. That's a promise. The more you seek him, the more you find him. That's a promise. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That's a promise. So my prayer for you guys today is please, come get the thing that you seek. If you're hungering for more, come and get it. We'd love to pray for you in the same way as Justin said last week. I'll stay here all day, I will. If you want it, I'll stay here all day. Like, the, like Jesus said to the woman at the well, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And I don't need lunch. I'll stay here all day. There's nothing. If I know one thing, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. It pleases my heart that the Lord allows me to speak to you in this way. But the first thing, the first thing that the Lord called me to was praying for people. 
And there are a few things that I love doing more. So, if there's something that you wish you had, if there's a relationship that you wish you wanted with the Father, if there's something that you're lacking, if there's a wall, if there's something that you need, please, please come and get it. Freedom. Freedom is found at this altar. Freedom can be found in many places. But there's something about taking those few little steps. We're going to sing Run to the Father. Easy transition. Run to the Father. If you want more of him, come and get him. Those who hunger and thirst, they'll be filled. You'll find him. Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. Love you guys.